and welcome to the podcast where you will heal the relationship with yourself, unlearn the limiting beliefs that tell you it's better to blend in than stand out, and realize that you are more than enough. You are incredible. I am your host, Susan Padrone, an intuitive personal stylist, an award-winning author featured in InStyle and many publications accessible all over the world. I am a tattooed queer mom who is showing up to give you the gentle nudge or emotional hug, whichever you need, so that you can give yourself the permission to be you. This is the Susan Padrone Podcast. Often I find that when the topic of personal style comes up in conversation, people want to know, how did I find my own personal style? How does a personal stylist define their style? Is it all about being on trend and only dressing in trendy clothes? That's a hard pass for me. (laughs) Do I own a lot of expensive or designer pieces? I mean, I have some that I have carefully curated, but I wouldn't describe my clothes as very expensive. They're all high quality because quality is a huge value of mine, but not a ton of designer pieces. Do I only choose one of a kind pieces? I do love vintage or vintage inspired look, and I also enjoy unique clothes, but versatility is another key value of mine. Now, before I tell you about my personal style, let me tell you how I discovered it. I found my style by slowly starting to say yes to myself without questioning, without worrying what other people are going to think or say. I realized that discovering what I really liked was a conversation that I just had to have with myself. I didn't need anyone else's permission or validation or confirmation that I could do it. And this has been a common theme for me in a lot of aspects of my life where I needed to look inward and ask myself for the answers that were right for me. When a lot of us go shopping, We like to get the opinions of our friends, a partner, or maybe our parents, and we seek out other opinions because what we're really looking for is for someone to say, yes, you can wear that. Yes, that's going to look so good on you. But what we don't realize is that a lot of the time, these people that we're asking have a different style aesthetic than we do. Style aesthetic is another way of describing the overall preferences for your personal style. Basically, your vibe in style form, which means that when you're asking someone for their opinion on something you picked out, the reaction is often based on whether or not they themselves would want to wear it or if they even like it. For example, if I ask a vegetarian, what should I get for lunch? Should I get a burger or a salad? A vegetarian might think, well, a burger sounds gross to me. I would never eat one. I would want to eat a salad, so you should get a salad. The other complicated part of the situation is that they're probably not going to verbalize the first part of that statement. They're just going to say, you should get a salad. Their personal bias influences their decision that you're asking them to help you make, and you're not even fully aware that it's their bias, their choice that they would make that's impacting you. Don't get me wrong, it's totally possible that the vegetarian might think, well, you mentioned the other day how much you were craving a burger, so get the burger. The point that I'm trying to make here is that if you keep asking someone else what you should eat, there's a strong chance that you're going to end up disappointed and hungry. The same applies to your personal style without the hungry part. For me, a big part of my personal style 
are my tattoos. I have tattoos all over both arms, all over my torso, and I'm far from being done. I love my tattoos and how they represent me in different stages of my life. Plus, they remind me that I'm a badass, and who doesn't love that? One of my more recent tattoos is a sleeping unicorn. It makes me smile every time I see it because it's kind of silly, but it also reminds me that even when a unicorn is passed out and exhausted, it's still a fucking magical unicorn. When I started getting tattooed, I chose the placements on my body based on if they could be hidden under professional attire. I had this absorbed belief that tattoos were not professional. I'm choosing to refer to it as an absorbed belief because it's something that I used to believe, but it's also not true, and it's especially not true anymore. Saying tattoos aren't professional, by the way, is a statement rooted in racism, considering all the different cultures all over the world who use tattoos as a form of important significance, symbolizing elements like family, religion, culture, stages of life, and so many other beautiful moments. The fact that tattooing has evolved into an art form that's accessible everywhere shouldn't take away from the idea that tattoos are a form of self-expression. If the tattoo isn't offensive or hurtful, there's no reason it can't be viewed like an accessory and also deemed professional. Okay, so back to my tattoo story. My first several tattoos were all hidden in quote-unquote professional attire. I was planning to continue on this path with the tattoo I got on my upper back until after I got this tattoo, I realized that most of my tops and dresses revealed it, especially when my hair was up. Oops, I guess. <laughs> so then I figured since the tattoo is already often visible, I got a tattoo on my inner bicep. My tattoo artist wasn't even finished with the tattoo when I told him that I wanted to get a sleeve of tattoos on that arm. That tattoo unleashed this part of myself that was like, it's time, go for it. Just like the tattoos were no longer hiding from the outside world, neither was I. I wanted to stop being able to fly under the radar. Keep in mind, <laughs> all of these tattoos in this part of the story were occurring while I was still teaching middle school. I remember the first time my inner bicep tattoo was partially visible at school, and I chose to take a minute and say to my students, I got a tattoo. It's a bear that looks like a constellation, and I got it because I'm a mama bear to everyone that I love. And I showed it to them. And of course, my students were like, you have a tattoo? I told them I had other tattoos, and their precious minds were blown. And then we carried on living our lives. If you deal with kids, you know that if you try to keep something from them, they'll only be more determined to discover it, and you will accomplish nothing that day or future days. I also want to reassure you that I absolutely did not get a visible tattoo to receive approval from preteens and teenagers. Although if you're a parent, you know how hard that could be. <laughs> and then I got another tattoo on my arm and another and another and more after that. My boomer principal at the time just kept looking at me and saying, really Padrone? All of these tattoos coincided with the time that I had come back to work after my son was born, but was already planning to leave. So my principal could really padrone 
all he wanted. I had one foot out the door anyway. While I was teaching, I found myself desperately trying to show who I was while mostly playing by the dress code rules. I would wear bold jewelry. I liked to mix patterns and colors and would wear fun pairs of shoes. I would look on Pinterest to get ideas for outfits for work. And often I would just recreate outfits rather than make my own interpretation of the outfit. You know, outfit plagiarism, like I mentioned in episode three. One of my favorite outfits to put together when I was teaching was a concert or a band t-shirt with a statement necklace, a blazer to elevate the band t-shirt skinny jeans, and cool shoes. My outfits were definitely 2010s Pinterest. Blazers, cardigans, pattern tops, dresses, an entire collection of statement necklaces. There was a lot of J. Crew in my closet. Feel free to laugh. If you're not familiar with J. Crew, J. Crew is classic and preppy. Their silhouettes say, Audrey Hepburn is my style icon, and I love to wear this cardigan with my pearls. (laughs) You've been listening to me for a bit now, and I feel confident that you know enough about me that J. Crew just wasn't doing it for me. I really wanted to dress differently while I was teaching, but I struggled with how. There's a judgment that shows up in teachers, and I'm sure this is common in other professions too, where if you're dressing up for work, and putting effort into your style, you're viewed as not putting your all into your work. I actually see this criticism of moms too. Sometimes as a mom, the mom guilt shows up if we're giving ourselves and our appearance more attention than our kids. So athleisure or leggings become a staple and how long it's been since you've gotten your hair or your nails done becomes a competition. You have to take care of yourself in order to take care of other people. You also have to learn how to shut out those judgy bitches and focus on feeling good. Once I started my business as a personal stylist, I tried to find a style that felt like a recreation and a reflection of my new career, my new sense of self. I found myself putting outfits together based on what I thought a personal stylist should look like. Getting caught up in the shoulds didn't feel right either. There was a brief period where I was trying to be a fashion blogger and influencer, which involved trying to show off styles, could appeal to everyone, and it just still didn't feel like me. Then I left teaching, stepped fully into my role as a personal stylist, and showed off my tattoos with pride. The biggest part of my transition into this new version of myself involved a very dramatic hair change. I went from having shoulder length in my natural brunette color to very edgy, icy blonde pixie cut, and I loved it. I felt sexy and edgy all the time. (laughs) It was so much fun. I told a handful of people that I was going to do it before I had this massive hair transformation, including my husband and my son. My son was three and a half at the time, so I didn't want to scare him with something so different. You know, he goes to daycare that morning, mommy looks one way, comes home, mommy looks totally different. Would have been a little traumatizing. (laughs) So I gave him the heads up, showed him some pictures, so he was prepared. And I want to bring attention to the fact that I didn't say I asked my husband's permission. I said, I told my husband and I didn't ask for his permission because fuck that. 
I didn't need anyone's permission because it's my body, my hair, and this is what I wanted. This change felt so freeing. It was something I kept thinking about doing. I kept seeing these photos of gorgeous people with short, edgy blonde hair, and I finally decided that's what I wanted to do. I finally looked at those photos and thought, why not me? After I changed my hair, so many people kept coming up to me and saying, oh my gosh, I love your hair. I could never do that. Or I could never pull that off. And every time I responded with, why not? Honestly, most of the time they didn't have a real reason. Sometimes it was because of their hair texture or, you know, their face shape. But my least favorite response was, oh, because my husband loves my long hair. Even saying that now, I'm like, it's hard to do without gagging. No one in your life should tell you how you should look if it conflicts with how you want to look. The new hair felt like this permission slip that I gifted to myself. It felt symbolic of stepping into this new version of me. I started paying attention to the clothes that I was being drawn to, and I started putting outfits together without second guessing or without needing Pinterest for inspiration. (laughs) And then came a trip to the emergency room that changed my life. In my award-winning book, We Don't Do Just Okay Anymore, I share about my entire story surrounding my endometriosis diagnosis. So for the sake of this podcast episode, I won't be going into it in full detail, but you can read about it in my book. But what happened was in 2018, after coming home from a photo shoot, I had excruciating pain that came out of nowhere. I went to the ER After running several tests, they saw that I had an endometrioma or complex cyst that ruptured on my ovary. They said, you have endometriosis, follow up with your OBGYN and sent me home. If you're not familiar with endometriosis, it's a condition where cells similar to the lining of the uterus grow outside of the uterus. It can also happen alongside cysts, like in my case, and is frequently ignored by doctors. So the fact that I got a diagnosis was pretty major. However, considering the fact that I have been living with intense pain since I started menstruating kind of makes a diagnosis at the age of 32 a lot less exciting. Endometriosis acts like an autoimmune disease, so it's triggered by things like stress, activity, food, and two surgeries, medication, and lots of acupuncture later, my flare-ups have been less often and my chronic pain is much more manageable. Susan, why are you talking about endometriosis and how is this even relatable to your personal style? I'm so glad you asked. Chronic pain and chronic illness mean that some days are naturally harder than others. As an adult who runs her own business, I'm also in control of my schedule. So if I need to cancel because I'm physically unable to serve my clients, I can usually do that. But if I can show up and wear something that feels good, it feels comfortable, and my body is happy to wear it, that's my preference. So if I'm having a flare-up or coming down from one, my body doesn't feel good wearing anything that's tight around my belly. Dresses and high-waisted wide-leg jumpsuits and pants become wonderful options during those times. Fabrics that feel soft like pajamas, but can be elevated with the right accessories make a big difference for me. Between having endometriosis and getting through these last three years of the pandemic, comfort is a non-negotiable for me. 
If it doesn't feel good to wear, I'm not wearing it. That means I'm mindful of not only the fabrics of my clothing choices, but the fit too. If I want to wear something that fits closely to my body, hugging every curve, that fabric needs to feel good and there needs to be stretch so that my body has the freedom to move and change throughout the day. When I think about my body and how I like to highlight it through my style, I feel best when I show off my chest, my waist, my arms. It doesn't mean I don't love the rest of my body. That's just my favorite parts to show off. And that can change on a given day too. But more often than not, those three things are my favorite. My favorite pieces in my closet show off at least one of those parts of my body. And in addition to that, they're usually a vibrant or saturated color. I love colors that highlight my skin tone and bring attention to my face. I also love bold patterns, an outfit that includes a variety of textures and a hint of vintage vibes. My boho looks tap into 60s and 70s, while my edgier and casual looks pick up on 80s and 90s. My favorite outfits are when I can look at everything I'm wearing and know that the majority or entirety of what I have on is made or sold by someone I know and locally or sustainably sourced. You won't hear me condemn fast fashion completely because fast fashion can be incorporated in moderation. Also, to cut out fast fashion completely can only really be done from a place of privilege. So do what you can, educate yourself on the brands you're supporting, and try to do better where you can. I've even written a whole blog post series about this very topic, so you can educate yourself while supporting me on my website susanpadronestylist.com. It's also really important for me to mention that the more comfortable you are with your choices for what you wear, the easier it is to have confidence. The two really do work hand in hand. And my parting advice for you today is if self-doubt makes an unwelcome appearance when you're getting dressed, ask yourself, do I love this? And if the answer is yes, or I think so, that's all that matters. You got this. Thanks for taking the time to listen. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts.